you would turn with me to Proverbs 14, verse 12. Proverbs 14, verse 12. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Dr. Jennings will have our uh, sermon for this morning, How Sweet Are the Tidings. I had the privilege some time ago of sitting beside a rather famous evangelist in our church, and um, it was at a camp meeting, actually, and it was breakfast time, and he left to get his food. I already had mine, and he left his Bible right there beside me, and I looked at that Bible. It was well-worn, and you know... Sometimes you know whether you've been into the Word. If the, all the gold edges are worn off, then uh, unless it's a brand new Bible, of course. I looked at that Bible over there right beside me, and I thought to myself, oh my, I, I want to look in that Bible quickly while he's gone. And I, I did so. I opened up that Bible in the cover leaf, and here was text after text after text written in a beautiful fine print, and then comments. And I said to myself, self? You need to copy those quickly while he's gone. I was too embarrassed to ask him, may I copy what you've written in your Bible? And then as I pondered that and looked at it and realized the task was daunting and it was impossible in a few minutes to do that, then I realized something. I said, self, what are you doing? He spent decades and years going through that Bible, finding those key texts and putting in his comments And I said to myself, you know what? You need to close that Bible, put it away, and to do exactly the same thing for yourself that he has done. And I determined from that day on to do that very thing. Today we're in a series on finding the true God. This comes out of great tribulation. And I can truthfully say that So far, this is number three today, so far I find myself believing in God even more and my faith is stronger than it was in the beginning a few weeks ago. So I believe you can find God if you dig deeply into the scriptures. You find him there in all his glory, his majesty, his power, his beauty, and his beautiful salvation to the children of men. So today we move from the Old Testament into the New Testament And we're going to start in Matthew. And by the way, what better way to find God than to look at the words of Jesus, perhaps look at his parables. Isn't it amazing that he came to this earth and he told stories? He told stories. You don't find six or seven chapters that he had a magnificent sermon on the 2300 days, as important as that is. But he told stories. Stories that were in-depth, stories that told us great themes of salvation. Um, 
the descendants of David, Noah and the Pharisees, they were bright enough to perceive that some of Jesus' stories was actually talking about them very subtly. And they, on one occasion, when Jesus was finished, they actually sought to kill him. Kill him just because he told a story. Can you imagine? So let's start with Matthew 21 today. Matthew 21, 33 and onward. Matthew 21, 33. Hear another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a winepress in it and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard, and they slew him. And when the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? Jesus asked. They say unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men, and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him fruits of their seasons. Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected, the same as become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. So what is Jesus telling us here? Jesus actually did come from a far country. He was rejected by his own people, the descendants of David and Solomon and all the patriarchs. Jesus, the stone, was rejected, and yet he became the head of the corner to found the new Christian church. Then the Bible records that this is the Lord's doing, not man-made, but God-made. And the scripture adds, it is marvelous in our sight and our eyes. What could be more marvelous than Jesus dying on the cross and yet it was a great victory? What type of paradox is this? One is reminded of Psalms and Isaiah where it says, it pleased God to bruise him so that we could have salvation. Also from Psalms, mercy and peace kissed each other at the cross. Then the warning to the Pharisees, the kingdom of God shall be taken from them and given to another nation. That would bring forth fruit. The climax of the story is in verse 44. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. The truth of this text is remarkable. If we give ourselves to Jesus, our whole being we thereby fall on the rock. 
If we reject him and his offer of salvation, we therefore choose the other side in the great controversy and will indeed be lost forever. Jesus says through this interesting parable, the choice is up to each one of us. Again, we find Jesus telling a story, a parable. Here we find the gospel invitation to all, in all its beauty and glory. This invitation is like no other invitation we've ever heard. It comes in Matthew 22, verse 1 through 14. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by a parable, a story. The creator that can speak a world into space comes to earth and tells stories. And again by parables, he said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. And they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he went forth with his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then said he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they that were bidden were not worthy. Were not worthy. Interesting phrase. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? You see, the wedding garment was offered to every one of the guests, and the man was speechless. He had nothing to say. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into the outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen, meaning few accept it. The story really is about the same invitation spoken of in Revelation 19, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh, the, the familiar words ring out to us, Come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Then Jesus calls us to the heavenly banquet. All earth's trials are over. Our pain, our sorrow are gone. The tragedy in this story is some were too busy to bother and some made light of the invitation. Then the king told his servants, go out into the highways and byways and compel them, compel them to come in. Key to this parable is they were told to gather in both the bad and the good. The truth of salvation is that we come to Jesus just as we are. The prodigal son, you remember, was clothed with his father's new robe before he had taken a bath. And this is not this just like Jesus. Each guest was given a wedding garment. Most of those accepted their white robe of righteousness. 
without one thread of human devising. There is nothing we can do to make God love us more. There is nothing we can do to make God love us less. Jesus goes on with his story. He saw there this man without a wedding garment. He had been offered one, but he thought he could go to the banquet with his own righteousness. Very dangerous to go to the wedding banquet with your own righteousness. Jesus says, friend, why did you come in without a garment? The story says the man was speechless, just as we would be at the end of the thousand years before the great white throne. We will be speechless. We have nothing to say. The same speechless state we would be in if we try to go to the wedding at the end of time. What a hopeless, sad day at the second coming of Jesus. Those who think they can stand there before the king in their own garments that are actually filthy rags, as Isaiah has told us. When the final verse in the great truth of the great controversy, many are called, but few accept their eternal life. What is your answer? The thing that gives me courage about all these few will choose is the fact that there's a verse in Revelation that says there's a multitude which no man can number standing there in the redeemed. Let's move over to Matthew 25, 32. Verse 32 onward, these verses, these verses are very, very profound. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory... And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, and the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in, naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee unhungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you. Some of the most beautiful words in all the Bible are next. Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Inasmuch. Inasmuch. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was unhungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in, naked, and you clothed me not, sick, and in prison, and you visited me not. 
Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee unhungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Here's the same word again, verily, I say unto you, inasmuch, we have those beautiful words again, only this time it's not so beautiful, as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Another parable of Jesus with the second coming as a backdrop. This is a pinnacle parable in Matthew. This parable is not clothed in mystery. Jesus just tells what kind of people will be in the heavenly country for eternity. What kind of people he wants to be with him throughout eternity. What kind of character they have. Did they follow his example on earth or did they not? We should read this with reverence and with trembling of soul. We have no excuse, Jesus says to us. We will let these words of Jesus just sink into our depths of our heart this morning. Other words come to mind. There but for the grace of God go I. And we should never forget, as long as we walk this earthly journey, Jesus' words to us, inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. This then, I perceive, is our entrance invitation into the heavenly kingdom. I want to pause for a moment and relate a modern day story. One of our dynamic preacher evangelists, um, he often flies on airplanes and it seems he, he relates these experiences over and over again that he's tired, he's worn out, he's got a long flight and he just would want to just sleep and just lay, just sleep. And the Lord says, no, I got, got an appointment for you. And he says every time he gets on the plane, he's got these appointments, God-made appointments. And he's had so many he can hardly count them. But this was one morning before he got on the plane his car was dirty. He got this goofy idea, and he, he, he was just within an hour, hour and a half or so of having to reach a plane, and a plane flight, and he got this goofy idea, and he said, go, go wash your car. Go wash my car. What are you talking about? An impression hit him. It wasn't a voice as such, but it was an impression. So he gets in his car and goes down to the car wash and stands there while the car's being washed. He looks over there, and he sees a, a girl a young girl that looked kind of emaciated. She had a grocery cart with, loaded with old clothes that looked like they were dirty clothes. And he observed her holding them up to the light, looking at them, and then quietly folding them and putting them in a plastic bag. And he, he, he was puzzled, you know. He, he noticed that pretty soon it hit him. Well, this girl's probably homeless. And she had a whole bag of, she had a whole bunch of clothes in this grocery cart, so... Every one of them, she would hold it up and look and then quietly fold it and put it in there. And God started, these are the words of the preacher telling the story. God started talking to him, saying, I have something I want you to tell her. And of course, he, he thought, that's, that's kind of crazy. 
uh, what would I what would I want to do that for, Lord? God kept hitting him with his. You need to tell her something that I need to tell her, and you're the you're my servant now. He held off and held off and held off, and finally, the car was finished. He gets in his car, and about that time, he saw her finish her little task and went around the corner with her cart. So he. This is driving him crazy by this time because the Lord is saying, I want you to tell that girl something from me. So got in his car. He drove down the street to the stoplight. Left was home where he knew he had just had time to catch his plane. Right was the direction the girl went with the cart. And he sat there at the stop sign debating with himself, what shall I do? He finally, in some bit of not anger but just frustration, turned to the right and he looked down there, and there was the girl with the cart and the clothes. He drove down, stopped his car, got out, and approached her. And she was looking frightened, in, as he tells the story. She was looking frightened. And he said, don't worry. He says, I'm a Christian. And she cautiously then relaxed a bit. And, and he said, God wants me to tell you something today. And she kind of looked at him and laughed and said, well, just what does your God want to tell me today? She shot back at him and he said, well, God told me to come and talk to you and tell you that he understands what you're going through. He understands you're, you're in a crisis, that you're having a very difficult time right, right now. And he wants me to tell you that he, he loves you and he's watching over you. And the girl started to cry. And before he knew what was happening, here he is in the street of the town he lives, where he's a preacher. And it was early morning and there was no traffic. But here he's on the sidewalk. And this girl lunged at him, put her arms around his neck and hung on for dear life, weeping hysterically. And pretty soon he found himself weeping. And then about this time the Lord said, Now, preacher man, I want you to put your hand in your right pocket and reach in there, and whatever, whatever money you have, you're to give it to this girl. So he did that. He reached in his pocket, pulled out his bills, didn't even look to see how many there were, and gave it to this girl. And she said, I didn't ask you for anything. I didn't ask you. He says, I know that. But God once told me to give this to you. And she was kept weeping even more hysterically. And then, after a while, the preacher looking around, you know, this girl hanging on his neck on the public sidewalk. And so he had to literally take her arms and pry them off of his neck after a time period. And then the Lord said something to him in his mind. He said, he's relating the story. He said, God told me the tears you're crying right now are not your tears. They're my tears. He has many other experiences on airplanes, and later we'll tell you some more, perhaps. No. That's my understanding. He didn't miss his plane. <laughs> Thank you, Laura. Okay, let's turn to Matthew 26, 55 and 50 to 66. Matthew 26, 55 to 66. In that same hour, said Jesus to the multitude, Are ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? 
I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and ye laid no hold on me at all. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off under the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said. Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He hath spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. I sat daily in the temple. Now you come after me with swords. You saw the miracles. The disciples for three years had seen the miracles and performed them. The dead were raised. The blind were cured. Galilee was stilled. The widow of Nain's son rose out of his beer. But the disciples fled. Oh, they were so human, were they not? What would you have done had you been there? Have you ever thought about that? Here he was the creator who spoke worlds into existence, now allowing his hands to be tied behind his back and drug in before Caiaphas, the high priest. Caiaphas bribed the false witnesses. We're going to read verse 64 and 65 again. And Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Revelation 1.7 has something to say about this as well. Those which pierced him will see him come. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him. There's going to be a special resurrection, you see. These men have the awful fate to die three times. They died when they died their natural death. They're going to be resurrected to see Jesus come, only to be destroyed with the brightness of his coming. Then they're going to be resurrected again at the end of the thousand years before the great white throne, only to be destroyed again. What a terrible fate. When our Savior took the blows and then they spit upon him and smote him with the palms of their hands, the creator of the universe tolerated that for you and for me. There's another palm spoken of in scripture, you remember, from Isaiah where Jesus said, I've graven thee upon the palms of my hands.
Matthew 28. These are some of the stories and parables and text in Matthew that were so meaningful to me as we went through this series on searching for the true God. Matthew 28, 1 through 20. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him, lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring the disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Have you been there? And Jesus said unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priest all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, See ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while, he, while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money. They took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. When the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them, when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Doubted? And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even unto the end of the world. Let's go through this again a little slower. And behold, there was a great earthquake, and the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. As if to say, Satan, who was right over there, what do you have to say now, Satan? I'm once just one angel. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. He had just come from the presence of God in the eternal temple in heaven. The angel answered and said unto the women, you know, all through the New Testament, these beautiful words of Jesus, fear not, don't be afraid. We need to call upon that in moments of crisis. And I would tell you again what we said the last few weeks. If we don't know the Lord in the good times, how can we know him in the bad times? Fear not, for, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. For he is risen, 
come and see the place where he lay. The angel wanted to prove it to them. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Then they departed quickly. How do you have fear and great joy at the same time? Isn't that a mixed emotion? But that's what scripture says. <laughs> they had fear and great joy and did run. The women ran to bring his disciples word. And Jesus met them midway. All hail, he said. And they came and grabbed him by the feet and worshipped him. Oh my, to have been there to see that. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Here it is again. Don't be afraid. Go tell my brethren and go into Galilee where they see me. Down verse 12. There's nothing new under the sun, is there? Large sums of money can sway many people to do very, very bad things. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Verse 17. And some doubted. I shout out, how could they doubt? How could they doubt? And yet I need to be careful because I've doubted many times myself about things that I shouldn't doubt about. Some still doubted. But Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Reminds me of Revelation, the first parts of Revelation. I am Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Yeah. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then, because of that, or therefore, I like the therefores in, in the New Testament. Therefore, because of this fact, Therefore, here's what you should do. And here it is again. Therefore, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So what have we learned this morning? Jesus came to earth from the throne of the heavenly universe where he controls all the planets. Billions upon billions of them, if not trillions of planets. And he came and told stories. Stories with profound meanings, absolutely profound meanings, that even a simple man like I can understand. He came and told us stories. Then I like the thought that we can do nothing to make Jesus love us more. We can do nothing to make him love us less. If I'm the greatest sinner on earth, he loves me the same as he loves the greatest saint. Then the words that I pray to God I never forget as long as I live on this earth. In as much. In as much. And then we close with Jesus' words. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen and amen. Eternal Father, we come to you again as we close. We thank you for being here. We thank you for the blessed scriptures we've read. That tell us more and more and more about Jesus and his love and his salvation. Help us this week, Lord, to share that good news. Help us to realize that the gospel is only that 
just good news, nothing more. Help us to go and as we leave, remember that we are entering the mission, entering the mission field in Jesus' name. Amen.